You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game in Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we dive into today's episode, a little self-promotion. Stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join the discussion on our Facebook group, Panthers on Tap. We have over 2,500 members. You can also find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Panthers on Tap. Don't forget to follow Bryce and I on Twitter at Coach Rule and at Curtis underscore Rowan. Bryson, how you doing? We've had a week and a half off here. I'm excited to get back to talking some Panthers football. Dude, I'm excited. Yeah, the, the week and a half has felt like a month to me I, I thought the break wouldn't really feel that short, but it, it has felt it has felt so long and I'm excited to get back and finally talk about some things that's happened. Yeah, me too. And uh, this evening we got a newcomer with us. JJ's joining Panthers on Tap, a.k.a. Panthers Culture on Twitter. Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for inviting me. Looking forward to the conversation. All right, man. I'm going to start off with something that's near and dear to my heart here. Uh, Cam Newton. And um, a, a thing that I kind of that kind of introduced me to you when um, like kind of how I found out about Panthers culture was the keep Cam and Carolina billboard. Yeah. And uh, I, I was a huge Cam Newton fan and I, I was a, a big supporter of him and wanting him to stay in Carolina. And to this day, it still hurts me to even talk about to talk about it. But uh, Curtis has kind of moved on more than I have. So um, what was the process like of getting that billboard? And then um, the second part of the question would be, how did you feel about the way things went down between the Carolina Panthers and Cam Newton? Oh man, this is kind of deep, you know, yeah. I share yeah. <laughs> with a lot of people, but um, okay. You know, I'm a big Cam Newton guy, right. And not just a football player, you know, the guy and what he does off the field, you know, how he influences, you know, the lives, you know, of kids in and around Charlotte and down here in Atlanta, I live in Atlanta. And so I kind of get both sides of who Cam Newton, the man is. So the story for me began when, you know, Cam had been injured in week two, um, or kind of re-injured, you know, because he got hurt in the preseason, then he got re-injured against Tampa Bay that Thursday night. And nobody had seen him, Kyle Allen was playing, and Kyle started out hot. And then all of a sudden the rhetoric around um, Cam Newton became, you know, you got to move on from Cam. And I didn't like it. Um, anybody can go and search my tweets and see, you know, how adamant I was against that frame of thought. But the more I talk to people, I actually know some people who know Cam. You know, the more the writing on the wall began to spell that he was out. So I think it was around November. It could have been December. I can't remember. Um, but obviously the, the Panthers came to Atlanta. And I'm a member of the Roaring Riot. And so I went to the riot event um, that was hosted at Cam's cigar bar called Fellowship. Cam's brother was there that day. And I was able to talk to him for a second. And so it was Cam's brother who pulled me aside and said, hey, look, man. So, you know, I heard you got a, you know, a Twitter, you know, a, a Twitter blog, you know, type situation, Panthers culture. He was like, you know, if you talk to the fans, he said, let them know that we want to stay in Charlotte. Cam wants to finish what he started. He wants to deliver a Super Bowl to Charlotte, to the Carolina Panthers. And I was like, damn, 
that's that's big, you know. He was like, so whatever you gotta do, go and let the folks in Charlotte know that we want to stay. And again, I forget what the date was of that game, but as soon as I got home, I came home and tweeted. You can look it up. I said, I just spoke to somebody close to Cam and he said they want to stay. And so I was watching TV, you know, NFL TV, you know, one of the things I, I record during the day or something. And, uh, you no, know, I think and it could have been that or it could have been like an Ian Rappaport tweet. It was something talking about Cam's future of being uncertain in Carolina. And, you know, and I got this stuff in the back of my mind. of like, you know, how can I, you know, like express, you know, that this man really wants to stay. I mean, I heard it from his brother, Cecil, you know. And so... I said, you know what? I said, you know, the way they're talking about Cam, and I said, they need to have like a poster, like a big giant mural of Cam outside of Bank of America, kind of like they had one of LeBron James in Cleveland. And so, you know, I think some of the, the people on Twitter started talking about it. And, and then I was like, you know, maybe we should put like a billboard up or something, you know, and, and people was like, oh, you know, yeah, we should do that. And I was like, Are you guys serious? They were like, I'll put money on it. And I was like, Oh wow. But I didn't want to do it. You know, I didn't I didn't even want to be the person behind it. I was talking to somebody in the thread, or it may have been in a DM, but I was trying to encourage them to actually like, like, you know, man, if you put it together, I you know, I'll push it. You know, I'm just sitting here having dialogue. You know, I'm kind of talking trash, but you know, like you guys are saying that you would really get behind it. And so um, so anyway, the guy I was talking to was like, I don't know how to do stuff like that, man. And I was like, you know, I you know, in a lot of business I'm in, I was like, well, I know how to do stuff like that. You know, so I'll start to go fund me. And then if you guys are serious, then we'll see where we can take it. And so I tweeted that, you know, that we were doing the GoFundMe. Jordan Rodriguez, former beat writer with the athletic here in Atlanta, I mean, here in um, I said Atlanta, here in Charlotte. Um, she reached out to me the next day and she was like, I like to feature. Um, your billboard story in my notes, you know, and then I'm putting, you know, putting in my article, and and she actually did that, man. And when she did it, like it caught like a lot of people's attention. I started getting donations from car dealerships in North Carolina, and South Carolina from businesses. Um, the money just started flowing in, you know, and it wasn't just the businesses; it was like regular people, like you and I. I put money on it, um, you know, and all of a sudden. I saw where we had around like, like twelve to fourteen hundred dollars on the GoFundMe, and I was like, "Hold on, you know, I can." I said, "That's a lot of money," and I said, "That might be enough money to like to actually have a conversation about it." And so I started calling around. I started calling around to all the billboard agencies um, in South Carolina and North Carolina to see if we can make it happen. And you know, they were like, you know, it costs X amount of dollars in order to do it. And I was like, "Okay," I'm like, "I'm almost at that number." But you know, the, the more money you have, the longer you can run it. And so I, um, I ended up working out a deal with, I believe it was Grace. I think they're out of South Carolina, but they had billboard space in both states. And we had to come up with a design. The first design I had, man, was, was really whack. Um, you know, and then one of the local designers in Charlotte, like a graphic arts um, entrepreneur, reached out to me was like look man you know this is something that my team was working on you know for something different but if you want to use our fund 
and everything, you can use it, you know, just, you know, tailor it to, to fit your message. So that's what we did, you know, had this team work, you know, we you know, came up with the Keep Cam and Carolina thing. Um, you know, it's funny, it was a group on Twitter who had also did like a petition that was called the same thing. Um, I don't know if you remember, there's a guy named uh, Tate Marks. He's no longer on Twitter. Um, at least I don't see him on Twitter. And then it was a J Draper, I forget, I forget the real name, Jeeper J. But they had did like this petition not long before that that was akin to the same thing. I don't know if it said keep Cam in Carolina, but it was close. And they thought I was kind of like robbing their statement. I was like, nah, man. I say like, it's, it's not, but so many ways you can say keep Cam in Carolina <laughs> besides keep Cam in Carolina. <laughs> but I was like, but you know, I, I do recall you all doing something and you know, we all had that energy, man. And it was all out of love. Um, you know, when I saw the people want to donate money towards that, um, the businesses in Charlotte want to donate money and, and then graphics and everything towards getting that done. I just wanted to make it happen. So, you know, I, I uh, worked out a contract, you know, with Grace uh, to get the billboard space. We was able to keep it up for like, I think six weeks, six to seven weeks. Um, had two billboards and one off of uh, I-77 going into Charlotte. Um, and then the other was right there outside the stadium. And, you know, to see it actually happen from Atlanta, you know, I don't even stay there. I, I couldn't even see them myself. You know, people had to take pictures of them and send them to me. Um, and so to make it happen remotely from Atlanta um, and to see it come to fruition, and then, you know, I wasn't expecting the attention that came from it. You know, obviously I was being called, you know, by like every local news network to be interviewed. I didn't take 75% um, of the people who called me. You know, I only talked to a few people. Uh, people thought I was kind of doing it to get some, some self you know, notoriety or whatever, man, I didn't care anything about that. Like, you know, when I started Panthers Culture, I said I wanted to give voice to the whispers in the fan base. And I felt like there were a lot of people as fans of Cam Newton who weren't being heard in terms of, you know, what direction the team was wanting to go or what we were hearing, you know, where the team wanted to go with him. And the, the one thing I wanted to express with the billboard and probably more so after I even, like, you know, when people give their GoFundMe uh, donations, they leave messages or they can leave messages. Man, if you would have saw some of the messages, the inspirational messages, you know, that people left about what Cam meant to them, like, to me, that's what made me really want to make it happen. And, um, and, and so lost in that was like all the hoopla, you know, because I think people didn't really get the sentiment that I felt that, that the people who gave felt like the businesses and all the people in and around Charlotte and, North, and South Carolina and, and, and North Carolina throughout the states, you know, what they really wanted to show. And then outside of the Carolinas too, I got, you know, I got donations from all over, man. Like there were Cam fans everywhere, people from Germany, you know, like just different places saying, Cam made me fall in love with football. You know, like I didn't watch football at all until I saw Cam Newton play back in 2014 or 2013 or whatever. And so, um, so anyway, you know, doing that to me, you know, was just to show the love and show, honestly, I want to show Dave Tepper, um, the new coaching staff, you know, that Cam meant something to us. So I didn't think for one moment that it would sway them because I know how business works. You know, I, I, I work in a, in a cutthroat world myself, but I knew that they would see it. 
based on where I put them, um, and especially when the when the sports media got a hold of it, I knew that they knew. And one thing is two things I wanted to achieve um, through the billboards, and that was to let ownership in the front office know that Cam was important to Charlotte and to the Carolinas. And then two was to let Cam Newton know that he was appreciated. Because I know that if both of those things were achieved then everybody was gonna be happy. But if we couldn't get a, a change of heart from Dave Tepper in terms of keeping him, that Cam would at least know that he was appreciated. And so um, so that was the, um, the billboard journey, man. It was it was dope. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I, because of how last year went, I second guessed, you know, doing it or, you know, thinking I should have, you know, shouldn't have done it. But then I thought, you know, one night, you know, when Twitter was crazy and I was like, you know what, man, I know why I did what I did. And I know why, you know, um, it, it got so much positive energy behind the, you know, from the people who donated. And, um, and honestly, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people, know were upset you know because I was able I'm kind of like Curtis I was able to flip the page kind of easily once he was officially out and so people took that as you know like oh you know he's a hypocrite you know one day he was putting up a a, a billboard and then the next day he was like rooting for Teddy Bridgewater it's like no I was rooting for us in the middle of a pandemic and all the change that we were going through to just for us to want to win and, you know, we couldn't control what happened with Cam, but I felt like, you know, with the billboard, at least from where I stood and, you know, the people who got behind that, that we did everything that we possibly could think of to try to keep it. And, you know, to me, it gave me that closure. I needed to just move on, you know, because I don't think there was anything that JJ could do, <laughs> anything more. To, to make that situation go different. And so, uh, so yeah, man, it, it actually gave me that closure that I needed to move on when it was time. And, you know, and, you know, last year was Teddy and this year is Sam, you know, so, uh, and I'm trying to keep the same energy, you know, for both situations. So it's, uh, it's been interesting, man. Hey man, we're, we're, I'm glad you did it. That is that I'm glad we got the lowdown on that and the breakdown. Cause that's, that was awesome. I was trying I to tell people along the that. way, you know, but people didn't want to hear, you know, but it's cool. You know, I, I know why, you know, I say we, not just I. I, I know why we did it. You know, when we yeah, did. And, and like you said, it, uh, your goal of starting Panthers culture was to give voices to the people who didn't really have voices in the fan base. And I felt like when you made those billboards, um, Cam Newton wasn't wasn't getting the respect and the, uh, no, well, not notoriety, but like the, the thanks that he deserved from the Panthers fan base. And I felt like that billboard at least let him know that there were Panthers fans that really appreciated what, what he did for uh, Charlotte and, and North Carolina and South Carolina because he, he changed a lot. And like you were saying, he was more than a football player in Charlotte and, and did so much for the community. And he's, in my opinion, the greatest Carolina Panther of all time. So I felt like that billboard really, at least for, for some fans, showed, um, in my opinion, that we really did appreciate what he did. So I, that's why, I, as soon as I saw that you were doing that, that's why I, I became a fan of yours. So I uh, – I appreciate that too, man. And, and, and it was, it was for folks like you, you know, honestly, you know, to make sure that we got that out. One thing I took away when Ron Rivera left and I thought really stuck out of that final press conference was, you know, when he got here there, I mean, you know, you knew of the Panthers, but the, the outside, the outside of the state, you know, you weren't, 
there wasn't that big, uh, that big, big fan base for them. And then once they got cam and they started this role and went to the Super Bowl and stuff, jerseys were popping up, people were talking about them in restaurant. And, And I'll never forget when Ron Rivera said, and that's, that's the one thing that Cam, I think, brought. He brought relevancy to the team mm-hmm. and made this team relevant, and people respect them around the league. And that's the one thing I'll miss. So. And so, you know, like you, you're right, man. You know, I, I was um, interviewed by The Ringer. You know, there was a documentary that they did. It was like a five or six part documentary, you know, about Cam Newton. And um, and during that interview, a lot of the stuff that I said was cut out, but you know, it was it was talking about that. You know, back in in 2011, when Ron Rivera came on board, um, his first big decision was was bringing Cam in, you know, via the draft, first overall pick. And so all the success that Ron experienced, you know, came, you know, with Cam as his as his QB one. And um, and it wasn't just Cam, you know, it was it was TD who was already in place. Um, you know, it was picking up Luke, you know, in the first round in 2012. Um, you know, that defense that Ron built was was really outpacing the offense, you know, for the first few years of his tenure. You know, but what Cam brought to, to Carolina was energy. Um, you know, growing up in, in rural South Carolina, like I said, an hour south of Charlotte, you know, Charlotte was always a city to, to country folks, you know, but in terms of the media, you know, I don't think, NFL media paid attention to the market, to the Charlotte market, but Cam and his energy, you know, made all the cameras point to Charlotte. Once they were able to see, you know, his his end zone celebrations, him, you know, giving footballs away to, to children, you know, after every touchdown, you know, and, and just, you know, especially during that, that 2015 year, you know, the world was able to see Cam Newton, like, like on another level. And, and it made the NFL uh, fan, you know, NFL media, I think, you know, just take notice to to what was going on in Charlotte. And they established, to me, they established the culture. Um, you know, the first thing, little known thing, and I tweeted it when I first started my account. When I was sitting around thinking about Panthers culture, like even before I even had the name, you know, I draw and, you know, I, I like, you know, sketching with like, uh, you know, oil pastels and stuff like that, you know, but this was my first time using the computer to like draw something with. The first thing I drew was Cam Newton, you know, like as a as a representative of Panthers culture. And um, and so because I identified who the Panthers were and how they were viewed as Cam, you know, and, and he wasn't the whole team, but I, but I live outside of Charlotte. Um, I lived in Washington, D.C. I lived in San Antonio, Texas. I lived in Charlotte. Um, in Charleston, South Carolina, I live here in Atlanta. And whenever you talk about the Carolina Panthers, during Cam's time, the first person that comes up is Cam Newton. And so, um, so yeah, man, you know, like he was, you know, the first thing I could think of when I was trying to just envision what Panthers culture would be. And um, and so, yeah, they established it. Um, um, Cam you know, but Ron, you know, I want to give him his credit, you know, because he was part of it too. I think he mentioned, like you said, he mentioned something about there was no Panthers gear in any of the stores when he first showed up, you know, but a couple of years in, you know, like now all of a sudden, you know, all these places would, you know, carry Panthers gear and, um, you know, just Panthers uh, memorabilia and stuff like that. And so 
they were all instrumental, but you know, but Cam was the catalyst. Um, and yeah, you know, for me, I didn't answer this question before, um, Bryson. Man, it hurt. It hurt, um, you know, to see how they moved on from Cam. I remember seeing the tweets, you know, I think it was like March 16th, March 17th last year. And just kind of waiting to hear what was going to happen. Um, and I remember the tweet that came out that said that Cam had been, you know, taken to a local doctor here in Atlanta and they had declared that he was healthy. But at the same time, you know, the rumors came out that they were interested in Teddy. And I was like, what? Well, hold the hell on. Which one is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, how is Cam healthy, but we're moving on? And so I was confused. I was hurt. I mean, honestly, you know, for the first week or so, I was just like everybody else. You know, I just, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. I was trying to make sense of it. You know, the Teddy thing made logical sense. Um, just with the information we had at the time, you know, Joe Brady, um, the relationship there, you know, I was trying to link all that stuff up because I like to make sense of things, but I was hurt, man. I was hurt, confused, just like every other fan. Um, but then when it was official, like I said, I just, I just moved on, but, you know, but yeah, I hope that Carolina always um, remembers when we became relevant. Um, you know, we had won before, you know, Carolina had experienced winning before Cam uh, with Jake and that, and that crew, you know, but but people still didn't pay attention to the Panthers. They didn't pay attention to Cam made them pay attention. And um, and so that's gonna be part of our struggle moving forward, you know, is, is establishing an identity that's not based on this superhuman figure on the football field. And, you know, and establishing an idea that's built on the collective football team. And so, uh, so I'm hoping that they can achieve what they envision. You know, they've gotten off to a good start. I mean, but we'll, you know, we'll probably talk about some of that later, man. I, I'll ramble, so mm-hmm. I'll let you go. <laughs> Enough about Cam. Let's right. move on. Yeah. We'll, we'll have Bryson here till next week otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> well, Panthers made the big announcement yesterday. Bank of America is going to be at full capacity to start the season. No masks, no social distancing, no temperature checks. Finally, some relief. Finally. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Are you going to be getting to some of these games this year? Well, yes, I plan to. Um, just for the record, you know, and I don't know where you stand on this. You know, I'm, I'm talking about you, but anybody listening, um, I'm fully vaccinated, so I feel like I can go and lick doing the ops right now. Um, and so I will. Uh, <laughs> so I, I will be, you know making my best efforts to to get to a few games this year. I plan to come to at least one in Charlotte. Um, that's about a three and a half, four hour ride for me, but I like coming home, you know, so I probably go to my mom's house and, and make it up there for at least a game or two. Is, is it going to be um, that Patriots game, that Patriots home game? You going to see Cam? I don't know, man. You know, that's, um, I don't want to be in a stadium where, Panthers fans might be booing the fact that we sat Cam. Yeah, that's true. That's that's you know, it's, it's, it's kind of it, it'll throw me off a little bit, you know. And um, a part of me wants to be there for the energy, but I don't. I mean, honestly, I <laughs> I didn't like watching Cam play last year. 
Um, there were some games that, you know, where they played in primetime, where it was like the only thing going and I kind of like felt like I just had to watch it. I didn't have an excuse not to watch them. But it's, it's, it's hard watching them because, you know, you feel like he, he belongs to you. And so I can't imagine the man that just created the culture that we just talked about. I can't imagine us playing against them and going out there and trying to like, you know, this football, you know, we out there trying to hit him, you know? And so, um, I don't know how me and Bryson talked about this, not to cut you off. Yeah. I, I'm excited for him and to play against him. I want the Panthers to kill that team. I really I do. do. I, want I, I, I want Cam Newton throwing a couple picks. I want, I want all that. Sacked. I want all of it. I do. I just, <laughs> I don't want the, I don't want the mixed bag of energy, man. Like I was just in that stadium two years ago like about to come to, to to blows about Cam Newton. Crazy story about that too. You know, me and the guy, you know, I took my son to the bathroom, me and this guy, we're in there talking about Cam and when he might come back. We're getting killed by Atlanta, by the way. Um, Kyle Allen is looking horrible. You know, so this is like right at halftime and I'm like in there just having a conversation with a guy. I don't know the guy. And while we're in there talking, you know, like this other guy just, just interrupts our conversations like, stop talking about Cam Newton. Stop talking about Cam Newton. And I was like, whoa, buddy. You know, like, we're just trying to take a whiz, yo. You know, like, just yeah, <laughs> stop we, yourself. Yeah, just, just chill. <laughs> Get out of here. And so, you know, he was just so animate. Cam quit on us. He's a quitter. You know, and all this other stuff. And I was like, no. I was like, come on, bro. I was like, you know, like, don't do this. And he kind of ran up on me a little bit. You like, said that was a Falcons fan? No, he was in Atlanta. I mean, he was a, a, he was a, a Panthers fan. A Panthers fan. Oh, yeah. You just wait and see. We're going to get. Matt Ryan next year, we're going to get Phillip Rivers, and we, we're going to get Matt Stafford. We're going to get somebody besides that loser. And I was like, man, like, but you're supposed to be a Panthers fan. You know, like, we're having a conversation about getting our starting quarterback back, and you're in here, you know, like, about to come to blows, you know, because you want to, you know, like, do anything but get Cam Newton back. And, um, and don't want us talking about it. You know, and I'm like, this is crazy. You know, and so you know, Charlotte, the Bank of America can be a weird place to be on Sundays, just on a normal Sunday against a normal opponent. I can't imagine what it's going to be like the day that Cam is back. And we're in there trying to figure out how to feel, you know. So long story short, I have it on the calendar as a potential game just because I, I kind of want to feel the energy, but then I don't want to feel the confusion of it all either. I mean, and, and you're right, um, Curtis, I want to stomp them. I want every win I can get. And I don't care if Cam throws three interceptions at any of that um, to get there. Um, but I want everybody to celebrate that we're doing that. You know, if you're wearing a Panthers jersey, you know, if you're in there with Panthers gear on, I want you to be happy, you know, that we're winning. And I don't want this mixed bag of emotions about the fact that we did it. You know, like I want to cheer as if, you know, we, we're beating anybody else. And um, and, and for some reason, I mean, it's probably me paying too much attention to the, the Twitter sentiment. You know, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of people in there rooting against us, you know, while wearing our colors. And so um, so that's the part. I don't know if I'm going to be part of, but we'll see, man. Uh, definitely a plan to get to at least um, – Hopefully, you know, three to four games, you know, uh, I, the crazy part, I will miss the layup here in Atlanta because I'm, I'm supposed to be out of town that weekend. 
you know, when they come to I was Atlanta. about to ask so, you that because uh, uh, Curtis and I are coming. Uh, that's the away game we're going to is the one in Atlanta. So I was going to ask you if you were going to uh, be there or not. But I, I would have. It's my daughter's birthday. I think that's like Halloween weekend. And yeah, we're, yeah. yeah, we're supposed to be in New York. And so um, I was I was bummed when I found that out. But, you know, I, I'll see, you know, what else I can make it to. I might go down to Tampa. Um, yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, you know. We might we might have to wear – I believe I got a Jonathan Stewart jersey, Bryson. If you can find a number three jersey, we could wear that there <laughs> on Halloween and we'll there be golden. Go. <laughs> Who, who's wearing yeah. number three? Is it is – it, um, is it Will no Greer, think, right? No, no. No, seven is Greer, isn't oh. it? Oh. Yeah, Will change. He was three. But he, it was Charles. It's Charlton now, oh, I believe, yeah. unless he okay. changes number. Hey, Bryson, I mean, everyone's changing their number. I can't keep up anymore. Bryson, go ahead and get your uh, go ahead and get that that Joe Charlton jersey, man. All uh, right, yeah, I, I'm gonna cop that punter jersey. Yeah, I mean, oh, hey, look, man. it might be the safest jersey to have. Day two of OTAs, and Matt Rule said today, um, and he kind of slipped out. Matt Rule likes to throw little, you know, things that he's not supposed to be saying in press conferences. He does that a lot. Today he said. Uh, Brian Burns got to clean up on his, I believe his shoulder. If I'm looking, yeah, he had a shoulder clean up in the off season. Then he also spilled the beans that Jeremy Chin also had a procedure on his knee. Um, they were both in red jerseys today. Let's just talk about those guys, their impact, and what what do we see out of them? Are we concerned at all? I mean, I'm not personally, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are um, with that announcement today. Um, you know, I, I could go on that. I, I remember going back to last year um, and even when we drafted Jeremy Chen, there was some talk about, you know, some injuries he had suffered in college. And I believe it was one game last year where they held him out, you know, because he was experiencing some swelling and some soreness on his knee. And so when I, when I heard Matt Rule say that today, I was just thinking, well, he probably went to go and get some of that cleaned up, um, you know, so it kind of helped him you know, manage, you know, this season a little bit better. I remember real time, you know, doing the press conference last season when he was out, um, Matt Rue made mention of some stuff that kind of lingered back to when he was in college. And so I'm thinking there was some stuff that probably didn't really get addressed fully. And, you know, this off season was the first time, you know, where he played, what, 15 games, you know, in the season. Um, and, you know, and, and, and that injury probably flared up on him and he probably, you know, went to, you know, some specialists and they said, look, if we can remove these things and clean this up, you know, then you should experience less of that inflammation in the future. So I'm just speculating, but I'm thinking that's what that was about. And we saw the injury to um, to Brian Burns, I, I believe, real time against the Packers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was chasing down Aaron Rodgers. And so I think he mentioned it was a shoulder or something. He kind of gestured toward his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm thinking it could have been related to that and just getting some stuff cleaned up. You know, this is an opportunity, you know, for a lot of these guys. And I think, you know, the average fan don't realize how much these guys have to go through to, like, to maintain their bodies in the offseason to get back right, you know, and rehab, you know, each and every year from that, you know, from the wear and tear year to year. And, um, and so I think, we you know, those guys are solid, man. You know, Jeremy Chan and Brian Burns, there were times last year where they were the only reasons I wanted to watch. And so, um, and so you, every, all of us, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we can all say just, that. Just praying that they did something to make a difference, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I think they're solid and they're probably good to go. And they're just probably just being, you know, precautionary and saying, hey, look, you know, y'all showed up, 
thank you for showing up. <laughs> You're in leaders, you know, holding it off until July, you know. And um, so I imagine they'll get some work where they can, but otherwise he's probably trying to keep them as fresh as they can be so they can come in during training camp and be healthy. Yeah, I, I think it was more of, I think a lot of the stuff, like a lot of the cleanups that they get on their knees or whatever, um, is, is like routine maintenance, is getting your oil changed every offseason. And uh, I, that's what I think it was. I think they're both, you know, fairly healthy. And um, they're, def- they're definitely going to be ready to go for the season and hopefully um, as healthy as they've ever been. So, yeah, like I said, I just think it was kind of some routine maintenance there. Yeah, and I saw – I was reading on Twitter today that some people were saying it looked like Brian Burns bulked up a little bit this offseason yeah that's that might be a knock for him is you know he's he's quick he's quick off the line but you know some of those overpowering some of these bigger linemen that that's something he needs to work on and you know his strength and power so that I mean that that's good to see if that's the case I mean I'm not there so I don't know but um, I did see that online today so that's some encouraging news as well because I mean, that guy's special already, and you you add some, you know, more strength to him, and he's just going to even get scarier, so. Yeah, I mean, that was my only um, question mark for, for Brian and when we drafted him. I always knew he had that freaky speed and um, and bend and limp, you know, but I think, you know, when he was drafted by Ron, you know, Ron Rivera was scrutinized a lot for not playing him more. Um and even I, you know, I scrutinized Ron for not playing him more as well. You know, but I think Ron was. We think, all did. I mean, know, that guy was only on special teams. I mean, My goodness. I know, you know, but I think I think it was because he wasn't stout. You know, I don't think he could really, you know, uh, I don't think he could really, like, control the edge, you know, or, or maintain the, the point of attack, you know, like what Ron probably expected of his, of his end or of his edge. Um, we have a guy like Mario Addison, who was similar size, but Mario is stout. You know, he's strong. Um, yeah, Bruce Irvin. Um, those guys are proven vets. You know, they know how to control the edge. Um, you know, it's, and then we were getting and we were getting ran through in 2019. And so I think Ron probably saw Brian as like a liability because of his size or lack thereof. And um, and you know, like Matt Rue said today, you know he's so such a freak athlete that it's probably hard for him to just put on weight because of how he's built, you know, but, um, but you're right. You know, the stronger he gets, the more scary he's going to get. So if he can put on and keep on about a good 10 to 15 pounds of muscle and power um, to add to his speed, man, he's, he's going to be a scary cat. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was some, some good news. I'm always, happy to hear that he's put on some pounds and put on some muscle. And I just, the only thing I fear when people put on weight too quick um, as a person who's gotten over the athletic hump is when you add weight really quick, then your joints and stuff start reacting to that. And so, um, you know, as soon as I started lifting weights and, you know, tried to play basketball with that, then I start having problems with my meniscus and stuff like that too, you know, and um, because now you yeah you find out issues with other areas yeah, yeah. where you you put more strain and stress on on your joints, you know, than it's used to carrying around and being explosive with, and now you're trying to be explosive with another you know ten to fifteen pounds of of upper body mass and um and all that stuff matters, man. And so um so as long as he's doing he's doing the right things, um as he's putting on weight and you know gaining strength, you know then you know, like in terms of making sure that, you know, his, his, his joints and everything is still pliable, you know, we'll be good to go. 
Well, again, we we got JJ here with Panthers Culture on Twitter. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, Matt Rule is he's known for not holding back in press conferences. He, he you know he called out Teddy at the end of the year. He did when Teddy blew that you know that two the two minute uh, right before the two minute snap in the ball. He called him out after the game today. I thought it was interesting. He was asked about Sam Darnold and he said Sam Darnold needs to get better. Uh, and I think that was kind of a push to, you know, this guy's new here and we're going to hold him to a high standard and they know he's young and they know he needs to grow and learn. But I just thought that was interesting, you know, coming out second OTA practice and you come out of the gate and, you know, put a little pressure on the quarterback. And I kind of like that because I feel like they were a little loose with Teddy last year to start. But I mean, maybe that maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, I, I think you're right. Um, no, there there are two examples I can give you for Matt Rule and how he reacted last year. That's consistent with what he did today. Last year, I think around week one um, or right before the season started, they were asking him about whether DJ can be a number one receiver, and he was like, "Well, he's going to have to get a lot better. You know, he's going to have to improve on those uh, and and do those things." that number one receivers do to be to be called the number one receiver and you know we we as fans we hype a lot of these guys up you know you know you know they can have one good year we're like oh yeah they they might be the best wide receiver of all time of Panthers history you know it's like he's coming for Steve Smith because he had a thousand yards you know and 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 four tests retire retire about 10 jersey numbers nobody (laughs) nobody can wear number 12 again um You know, but the reality is he had proven nothing for Matt Rule and Joe Brady, right? And so he was saying, you know, if he wants to be the number one receiver, he's got to come out here and prove that he's that guy. He's got to work at it. He's got to, you know, do the things that's necessary to make the plays necessary to be a number one receiver. And I, I love the fact that he did that because it sends a message, you know, to, to this young team that nobody has made it yet. Um, so when he did that with Sam today, I was like, yes, you know, like, like, you know, like hold him accountable, like everybody else, coach him, like you coach everybody else. And you're right. You know, I think with Teddy last year, I think you heard, especially early in the year, especially before like the O and eight stuff and the late game failures or whatever, early in the year, they were, I think they were trying to sell us Teddy. Right. You know, I think they wanted to do some of even the same, same good point. the same stuff I was doing on Twitter. Like I wanted people to get excited about Panthers football. You know, I, I didn't want to be sorrowful the whole year. I mean, we were at COVID. Like football was all we had. And so the the worst thing for me was like getting on Twitter every day and everybody was like, oh Teddy sucks, Teddy sucks. Like we hadn't even taken a snap yet, you know? And so I wanted to to hope that Teddy could be something different than what we had seen in Minnesota um, and then, you know, spot time in New Orleans. And um, so it's easy to do before somebody actually starts playing, right? Because when they start playing, then they write their own story, right? So before they play, you could tell somebody like, you know, the guy's super smart, you know, he's cerebral, you know, he can make all the calls, he can make all the checks at the line of scrimmage, he can do everything, all the stuff that I knew Teddy could do as well. You know, but when they start playing, when it goes right, then you can say, see, I told you, you know, this guy's smart. You know, he made the right play. We won the we won the football game because he made the right plays and he kept us moving, moved the chains, 
got us into scoring position, we scored, you know. But when it doesn't happen, then you can't keep saying that it's not his fault, right? Um, and so I think for Matt Rule, honestly, I think after we got over the hump of the season and we realized that we weren't going to the playoffs, that we weren't going to have this miracle season, I think he became more of a realist about who Teddy was. Um, and then, you know, that Minnesota game was just bad, man. Um, and it was bad to watch, um, but it was also bad, I think, for their relationship. Because after that game, when he was, when Teddy was asked about what happened on that, that DJ play, you know, that, that call that came in late and, you know, they, they tried to adjust and they ran the play and, and DJ flashed open, Teddy threw the ball behind him. And then to compound that, you know, he came down and like injured himself. And, you know, I, personally, I still think we should have won that game um, because, you know, defense shouldn't have give, given up a touchdown in a minute. Um but then you know to come down and drive. Well, Jeremy Chin had two touchdowns. Come on! I know now. that's. I said we should have. We should have yeah, won that game regardless. You know, but but after the game, that press conference where Teddy, you know, kind of brought up the fact that the play came in late. You know, I think threw the coaches and, under the bus. And and I think that was the end for Teddy. Um, and I think Matt Rule, if you go back to last season and look at his press conferences, like after that week he became much more of a realist about Teddy Bridgewater um and so you know it's it's uh it's, but it's good to see and I think that's a lesson learned for him too you know with with Sam it's like look I'm not going to say anything you know extra glowingly positive about Sam Donald until he shows us who he actually is you know right now he's in the building phase he's trying to build up his his uh his knowledge of the system and you know and and he has to come out here and, and, and work on that every day. And we'll see who he is when, you know, when the bullets are alive, you know. So um, so I think that's how he's going to approach Sam Donald. And I think that's a lesson learned from Matt Rule, you know, after dealing with Teddy last year. Yeah, Matt Rule's definitely still learning. Um, the process of being a head coach in the NFL last year was really weird. It was his first year in the NFL and he had COVID going on. Um, like he said earlier, this is his first OTAs he's he's ever had. So yeah. he he's he's still learning stuff and um and I think going through it is, is gonna be good for him and and he will learn. So uh I, I kinda wanted to transition to um this year's number one pick for us, uh JC Horn. There was a video that came out, I believe, two days ago, uh, of him, I think PJ Walker threw the ball yeah. and then he under he undercut the receiver and picked him off. Uh and then uh, imaginary took it back for a pick six, <laughs> but uh, JC Horn looks good. Um, when the, when the pick was first made, I was upset because I wanted Justin Fields terribly bad okay. in Carolina. Okay. I, I, I thought he was the next Cam Newton for the Carolina Panthers, but right. um, I, I've gotten over that and I'm excited for JC Horn. Uh, I think he's going to be a solid player. Um, what do you think about him, JJ? Well, I'm from South Carolina. So I watch a lot of South Carolina football. Uh, I'm not a Gamecock fan. But whenever they're on, um, I'll try to watch them because, you know, there's, you know, we have local guys, you know, who go and play there. Like Sha Smith, receiver that we drafted in the sixth round, he's from my hometown. And so whenever I could catch the game cops, I would watch to see if I could see Sha play. You know, but while watching Sha, I would see these other guys play. And, um, you know, the best thing about watching 
J.C. Horn in college was that, is that, you know, you didn't hear his name get called for the wrong reasons, you know, because, you know, people rarely tried him and, you know, nobody made big plays against him. And you know, there's this guy on Twitter that I follow. His name is Eric Crocker. Um, he's a somewhat of a, of, of, a, of a draft scout, I guess, you know, but he specializes in cornerbacks and wide receivers. And so every year he kind of calls out who he believes are the top cornerbacks uh, coming in, coming into the draft. And he's been like on point for the last few years. And he called out JC Horn early. Um, I was more of a certain guy between the corners, um, but I felt like it was a position of need. But he, I remember him saying that JC Horn was probably like the top cornerback in the draft. And so it made me start paying attention to, to JC uh, even more because I was like, could we draft him? You know, like, is, is it possible? But, you know, like you, during the draft, you know, the sequence of events that led to the eighth pick, I was like, I wasn't imagining that Justin Fields would be there. And so when Detroit was on the clock at seven and, you know, it was like Sewell and, uh, and Fields, I was like, man, are they going to draft Justin? Like, <laughs> are we going to get a left tackle? You know, like I, I knew that we couldn't lose um, at that point. And so like when I saw them, draft Penesu Will, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Man, I went live on Twitter. I tried to go live. You know, I have been telling my wife, you know, because we're here in Atlanta. And so the biggest thing for us was the local people were wanting to draft Justin Fields at number four. So my wife's co-workers and everybody around us was, you know, saying that it's Justin Fields, it's Justin Fields. So when Pitts went to them, I was like, well, he's not going to Cincinnati. And then I think Sitz was uh, Miami and they picked Waddle, I believe. And so I was like, oh my God, you know, like here we are. So like I began, I like I had a premature celebration um when Sue was picked. And I was just waiting to share the moment on Twitter. Like my whole family's looking at me like, you really going live right now? I was like, yes, I want to share this with the Panthers Twitter. <laughs> and man, like, and then watching, you know, like you always get that little pop-up tweet from Ian Rappaport or somebody right before it like gets announced. And I looked at my phone, and I said, Oh my God they pick J.C. Horn. And my wife was like, oh, I'm so sorry, baby. I said, let me get off live real quick. You know, <laughs> so nobody would see that. <laughs> and, um, but I was hurt. You know, I was I was hurt for like, maybe like six or seven seconds. You know, I was like, oh my God, like we really didn't pick him. Like, <laughs> why is this happening to us? You know, and then um, I was like, but J.C. Horn is good though. Like he's good, he's solid. You know, I was trying to like make it make sense. and. And after it settled down, man, like I was like, okay, okay, JJ. You know, because, you know, Vincent Richardson and I, I don't know if you know Vincent, but he's with you know, the. We've Ryan. had him on. We've yeah, had him so, on here. You know, so Vincent's like, you know, he's like into this draft stuff heavy, man. So we did this Scout in the Culture podcast this year. And one thing that he and I had talked about, and I don't know if it made the air, you know, but one thing that he and I would talk about is, you know, what the team thinks about these top quarterbacks. And so they had been chattered that, you know, the Panthers were only interested in the top two. And then they considered the top two, Trevor Lawrence and, and Zach Wilson. And although we wanted Justin Fields, I don't have a lot of confidence that the Panthers were ever really interested in Justin. And I don't know the reasons. Um, I don't know um, if, you know, if it was something that they feel like, you know, 
he didn't bring in terms of his skill set, you know, leadership. I don't know what it was. But I go back to last year when they picked up Teddy. I go back to this year when they dra- when they traded for Sam. I don't think Joe Brady or Matt Rule believe they have to have like a superior athlete at the quarterback position. And because of that, you know, like I think they have like a like if you you can you have to be really good in the pocket. I think you have to be really accurate. I think you have to be really quick um, in the pocket. And I think if you have all those things, you know, good footwork in the pocket, really quick, you know, quick, really quick release, really quick at processing, I think they love you. I think if you don't do any of those things, or if it, even if it's one of those things you're missing, I don't think they really are that high on you. And as much as we love Justin Fields, there were, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, the fact that he wasn't, you know, a guy that got through his progressions really quick. And I don't know if that's true. Now I've seen things to dispute that. Um, you know, so he, he looked like a world beater whenever I saw him play most of the time. But, you know, we don't coach, you know, and so I don't coach, you know, so I can't see what they see and, you know, and um, or know what they want. So I just, I just imagine they didn't want Justin Fields. And my thing is, if you love J.C. Horn for what he could bring to your defense and the athlete you think he is, and you had any question marks about Justin Fields, then don't ju- don't draft Justin Fields and go get the guy that you know you want, and you live with the consequences. You know, I just hope that that they that they're willing to to live with those consequences if this team ends up being a really good team at every other position but the quarterback position. I just hope they're willing to admit that you know that there was opportunity missed. You know what I mean? Valid point. Which I don't know. I don't think that will happen. But um, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I, I, I always want to bring this up because we talked about this, you know, these last couple episodes, and I've seen reporters talking about it as well. Is are we going to be sitting here at the end of next year with another hole at left tackle? Like, did did I? For me personally, I don't think they solidified that spot, and I don't think they did enough in the draft, and I'm not sold yet on you know Christensen or some of these guys they brought in for the most important position on the offensive line for a guy who needs protection across the board so I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that because that that's one thing that kind of scares me and I feel like they overlook that and think they can do patchwork there again um, for the 10th straight year or whatever it is but just frustrating well, I, you know, I, I'm lying, you know, but I pray for Brady Christensen every night um, <laughs> because I want him to be <laughs> better than we all expect, you know, that he can be. Um, he had an outstanding career at BYU um, as a left tackle. I prefer guys who actually played left tackle in, in college. You know, I don't like, you know, getting a guy who's a dominant right tackle and asking him to play left. Um, I think we saw some of that a few years ago when, Ron tried to make Darrell Williams a left tackle, and it didn't pan out. I think he even tried Taylor Moten, who's a who's a really good right tackle, you know, and tried to move him to the left side. They they just don't function the same way. It's a few guys who can make that transition, but not often. You can. It seems like it's easier to go from left to right than right to left. Um, <clears throat> that said, I think Brady Christensen brings some experience to the left side. I don't know how much top tier talent he faced 
you know, with BYU. Um, I think some of the same question marks you have to have for Zach Wilson in terms of level of competition, you have to have even more for a left tackle um, in that conference they play in. Um, but he, he had the highest, the highest um, pass grade of any left tackle in football uh, per PFF, you know, which, you know, we don't like PFF, you know, when it's discrediting or invalidating somebody that we love. But, you know, I'm always on board with good grades when there's somebody that's on my team. <laughs> so um, I'm hoping that that um, translates. Um, they say he has really good feet uh, for a left tackle, you know, but, you know, I was talking to Vincent, you know, he claimed that, you know, he, he does have some flaws. And so he's not a sure thing. So um, that said, like I say, I, I just hope that he can find a home there um, because I really don't trust Cam Irving. Um, I don't want to trust Trent Scott there. Um, and then Greg Little, who, you know, catches a lot of heat and rightfully so. Greg has like the whole skill set, man. He just doesn't have the mentality. Um, and he, he hasn't had any luck with injuries either. Um, but I think he's like, he's like one of those guys, you know, when you find an athlete who has like the, the physical skills, but they overthink it. And so like, they don't do what they know to do. Um, and, you know, what got them this far. And I think, I think Greg can actually play left tackle. I just think that he'd have to get out of his own head in time to show. He might that. not even make the roster. That's this what I'm year. saying. Like, I'm, I'm, gets, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, if he, if he doesn't turn it up, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get aggressive, I want, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. So I say get aggressive. I think he just needs to go out there and just play football. Um, and I think he would find a spot on this roster if he just went out there and showed that he can play left tackle. But given how the, the staff treated him last year with have, having him as a healthy scratch a couple of times last year, I, I don't, it doesn't look good for him. Uh, but I think, you know, so we have potentials there, but that's, you know, to your point, that's not really good. Yeah, but um, that's, that's like the thing, like every year it's like, well, they have potential there or they're going to bring in this guy and resurrect his career, like Cam Irving <laughs> or Elfline, yeah. like, why do that year after year after year solidify that spot already? It's, it's, it's dumb. I mean, honestly, drives it's, me nuts. I, I just have to, you know, say what it is, you know, to, you can't be a serious team unless you have a serious left tackle. Um, and I, if you look across the league, I don't see any serious quarterbacks, serious contenders without at least an attempt at a, at a serious left tackle. Um, and you could argue that the Bucks didn't have a left tackle last year. I think their right tackle was the rookie, you know, who was really good. Um, you know, and their left tackle was kind of a question mark. But, you know, but he still was a vet. Um, he had played the position. We haven't even had anybody on that level um, for years. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's it, right now it looks bad. And, um, and I'm not overly optimistic about that position. Um, you know, so honestly, I hate to say it, but we just have to wait and see. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for Christensen. I, I like the pick, and um, I've been kind of more optimistic than Curtis about this whole entire offseason with the quarterback move and the and the pick, except for the first first-round pick. He was definitely more um, accepting of that than I was at the time. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I think he has a – but let's. Why do they? Because mini camp, rookie mini camp, they had Christensen playing yeah. guard and center and trying out all these positions. If you think he's a left tackle and you're confident in that, why the hell is he trying all these other positions yeah. out? Like, I, mean, I just that's a good point. You know I don't why? Know, man. You know why? And, 
you know, the reason I think is because before we even before they got to the draft, I think even before free agency, uh, Scott Fitterer's biggest thing was, you know, like uh, versatility, versatility across the offensive line. Oh, Matt Rule preaches that every freaking day yeah. in a press conference. Position yeah. flexibility. I get yeah. that. And so I think they want to see if you can't do the thing that we brought you here to do, can you do something else? You know? And so if Brady Christensen gets into training camp and Brian Burns and, you know, and, and, and Hassan Reddick are like murdering him and he loses confidence and, you know, they feel like, well, we'll be better off with Cam Irving out there or Trent Scott. Well, can we use you at right guard? Or can we use you at left guard? You know, can you snap? I don't think they want him to be a center, but um, can you be a swing tackle? You know, I think they need to know what else he can do in case he's just not ready because, you know, at the end of the day, like these guys are still rookies and to, to put that much pressure on them to like come out and be day one starters in year one, you know, is, you know, especially for a third round pick, you know, that's, that's not necessarily optimal, you know, so um, it'd be great if he can earn that. I want to see him as our left tackle because it would make our draft look impeccable, you know, but is it realistic? Uh, it may not be realistic to expect him to start in year one, at least in week one of year one. And so, um, you know, so I think we need to be patient with a guy like Christensen um, and, you know, just see, you know, if he can get in and, and earn his keep. And hopefully he does, man, you know, because otherwise, you know, Sam Donald, you know, for as optimistic as I want to be, if he doesn't get protected, if he doesn't get his blind side protected, it's going to be a bad offensive year. I think I'm going to have nightmares about uh, what, what you mentioned, Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick going against Christensen and, Hey, hey, you know what? So check it out. I I, I told Vincent this when we were kind of like just talking through, you know, what could have went wrong with Greg Little. I was like, man, just imagine being, you know, the, the second round pick, left tackle of the future who's going to protect Cam Newton. And then the first thing you have to do is go, you know, go in one-on-ones, one-on-ones against Brian Burns, you know, or uh, Mario Addison or Bruce Irvin, you know, like, like that's your summer, that's your that's your um, training camp. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you start, and then you know they try to, you know, coach him differently than he was used to being coached, and you know, so you're trying to think about what you should do, what the coach is telling you to do, change your technique up, and then this guy runs a four five. Everybody you see runs a four five, you know, for the first time in your life, and they're fast and they're big and they're strong. It's like, I think he probably you know lost some confidence and um. And so that's why I say that about, you know, Brady Christensen, you know, like I just hope that he has that, that mentality. Cause I think so much about offensive line is mentality. I hope he has some mentality. I think he has like all the, the athletic traits. I just, I want him to have that, that dog in him, you know, that sees Brian Burns or sees Hassan Reddick and it's like, bring it. You're not going to get the quarterback. You know, that's why, that's who I hope Brady Christensen is. And so uh, we'll see. Well, ESPN put out some power rankings uh, the other day, just ranking teams one through 32, uh, I think post-draft. And they had Carolina at 25. I think they dropped, actually, <laughs> uh, if I'm not mistaken, Curtis. They, they dropped uh, post-draft to 25. What is yeah, your they, opinion? They were at 23. They dropped to 25. Yeah. What, what is your opinion on the Carolina Panthers being the 25th best team in the NFL right now? You know what? I mean, we picked eighth, right? So 
we picked eighth, so that means there was like only seven teams worse than us before the draft. So if we're number 25 now, that means like, Wes, there's like seven teams that are supposedly worse than us. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so when you look at it like that, it is what it is until you start proving, you know, that you're better than Fair. that, right? That's you know, a good point. Um, yeah, you know, we we made a lot of improvements on paper. No, but we're still trusting a lot of first and second year guys to to lead this team out of that 25th place hole. And um, until they prove that they can do it, um, then I think you got to keep them right there. You know, but that's a, that's the beautiful thing about football and all the sports. Something teams. to note Truth too is, off these rank off these rankings is Atlanta jumped. Um, from 24, so they were behind Carolina during these rankings, and they jumped to 21. And then the Bears were uh, – they jumped. They were at 25, and they're 24. So they put the Bears – I mean, they're clearly thinking highly of Justin Fields, obviously. No, I mean, I, I think all of that stuff matters, right? You know, and I don't know what goes into their ranking. I don't know if they're just wagging it or they have, like, some kind of uh, – elaborate you know equation that if you place this this value player at this you know at this position if you get that in the draft then it you know increases your chances of winning by s amount i don't know you know but i do know that i think if if we would have done what they wanted us to do or what they expected us to do then we would probably saw more of a favorable ranking you know like if we were 23rd and picked justin fields then we'd probably go to like 19. you know what i mean um but because they decide to go corner. Um, and right now, I mean, let's keep it real. If you look at our team, we improved in almost every area um, via the draft and free agency. I would say the only positions that we didn't adequately address are safety, left tackle, as you mentioned, and the quarterback position is to be determined, right? And <clears throat> that last one is probably the most important. And if we're going into the year with that big of a question mark at the most important position, then I think you have to kind of fight yourself out of that hole, you know, through that quarterback's performance. Like Sam Donald, man, like has like one of the best opportunities that a guy who has started out so slow could have ever gotten. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I watched a lot of college football. Um, I'm a Notre Dame fan. And so we hate USC. So, you know, of course I hated Sam Donald, right? You know, so I wasn't high on him in college. Um, I thought he was overhyped, you know, probably because he played for a team I hated. Um, but then he got drafted number three back in 2018. I thought he was overdrafted. Um, and then I probably talked trash about him every time I had a chance for three years. And so just my luck, he becomes the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. And, I, you know, at first I was going to go through and, like, see if I could delete tweets, but I don't do that. You know, I was like, dang, man, I talked a lot of trash about this cat, you know, and now he's my quarterback. But, you know, on the record, on your show, um, I'm 100% behind Sam. I can't say that I fully trust him. <laughs> You want me to edit that um, out? But I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's that? So you want me to edit that out? <laughs> I, I mean, 
no, 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 no. I just no, messed no. with you. I mean, hey, 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 trust me, man. Like, you know, like when Kyle Allen was it, like Kyle Allen was it. I didn't see Kyle Allen as our starter because at the time Cam Newton was our starter, right? Um, last year it was Teddy for me. You know, Teddy was the starter. Like I'm riding with the dude who laces him up and puts it on the line. Sam Donald's going to be that guy in 2021, you know, unless something freaky happens before the season starts, you know, but, um, but Sam Donald is going to be the guy. He hasn't impressed me to this point in his career, but, you know, he's in Carolina now. And I want Carolina to do well. I want the Carolina Panthers to win. I want us to start winning soon. And so in order to do that, I think Sam Donald, would need, we, he would need to change his trajectory really quickly. And, um, and I want to see him do it. Like this offense is supposed to be very QB friendly. Um, Joe Brady is supposed to be some kind of offensive one account. Like it's time to, to show that, you know, Joe Brady needs to prove that he can actually coach in the league. Um, Sam Donald needs to prove that he can actually play to the level that people expected in the NFL. And he gets an opportunity to do that. They've done almost everything, except for that left tackle situation, Curtis. They've done almost everything to ensure that he can be successful. Getting Christian McCaffrey back 100% healthy is like thing one. Um, then you go out and get a red zone threat like Terrace Marshall. You already have um, DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. You know, you bring in a David Moore. You know, you get a tight end like Dan Arnold. You know, you go get a guy like um, Tremble. Um, what other quarterback has had as much? you know, in Carolina. Um, so when you look at it like that, it's like, man, like they set the table for you. If you don't eat, it's on you, you know? And, um, but I think it's not all on him. I think it's somewhat on Joe Brady. I think Joe needs to prove he can coach. I think Joe needs to prove he can improve as a, as a um, play caller, play designer, um, situationally. And I think, all of these guys have something that they need to prove. And, uh, and I'm hoping that Sam Donald proves it. And honestly, you know, just like I was with Teddy last year, I hope Sam Donald's our quarterback for the next 10 years. I hope he does that well, because I don't want to be looking for a quarterback next year or the year after. Me and you, you both. Know, it doesn't matter if, if – yeah, I don't. it doesn't matter if he wasn't my guy. He's not my favorite. Well, he's my guy now. You know, and so uh, – so if we're looking for a quarterback next year, that means because this year sucked, you know, and, and I don't want this year to suck. So I want Sam to yeah, do Yeah, I support him. I just – I'm not as confident. I, I was more optimistic – or I was less, you know, harsh with the Teddy Bridgewater move and, you know, that optimistic approach with him. And I got, you know, shot down. This was supposed to be Joe Brady's guy. He knows Joe Brady's offense. And the team finishes, what, 5-11, and 6-11, and 11, whatever the hell they finished. I don't even – at this point, I don't even care. But for, for me, for Sam Darnold, and I've been on the air saying this over and over, is just I'm not that confident, and he, he's, he's got to prove it. To me and that's kind of how the approach i'm going to take and i'm going to be tough and crit critical on him until until i see that you know this guy's a 25 touchdowns 10 interceptions type quarterback and can really prove and you know take this team to hopefully a playoff run either not this year or next year and um just shine because it's you know you you go from cam newton to kyle allen to teddy bridgewater now we're to sam darnold like Come on. <laughs> we definitely, we definitely, re, re, we're regressing on paper for sure. You know, and, um, 
But you know, but you know, I'm the type of guy, you know, that I believe energy matters with everything, right? You know, probably too much, you know, but um, but I do believe the same thing I believe for Teddy last year. I think, you know, when these guys come into a new situation, you know, everything is new for them too. You know, we look at these players as if, you know, like they're made of Teflon and like the sentiment and, you know, the energy around them and the support around them doesn't matter. You know, they should just be able to come out and perform. Um, I think that's easy for a guy who's like really established and, you know, and, and, and settled and his reputation is already established in the league. But when you have a guy who's really tried to prove themselves and they're young, um, I don't think we really factor in the pressure um, that they feel as, as players too. And I know that might sound weak, um, from a fan stamp standpoint, but you know, but I'm a man, you know, I'm I'm an older man now, you know, and I've been through some things myself. And I know that transition is hard. You know, and so um when these guys transition to these new situations, um, you know, a lot of people are looking at them and and almost waiting for them to fail. I think sometimes as as Panthers fans, <clears throat> especially since Cam Newton, I think we're so eager for the quarterback to fail because we want to justify how we feel about what they did to Cam. And, um, and we, you know, Cam was an MVP at, at, at a point in his career, you know, and it's kind of one, one of the things where, you know, once the MVP, always the MVP. And so you had some guy that you believed in wholeheartedly. And even when Cam played bad, we believed in him, right? But these other guys played bad. It's like, oh, you suck. I can't wait to replace you, you know? I don't want Sam Donald to start out the season, let's say he starts out the season um, 0-2, completing 55% of his passes, you know, two touchdowns and and four interceptions, right? It's just two games. You know, like, there's time, you know, for him to kind of correct some things. It's still a new offense for him. Um, <clears throat> still things he needs to adjust to. Um, and I don't think it would be right to just write him off if he starts out the gate slow. You know, we can't say, you know what, Sam Donald definitely can't be a starter in Carolina. Definitely can't be a franchise quarterback in Carolina because he starts out 0-2 um, or he starts out bad, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, we, we have to give people time to acclimate to the team, acclimate to their players, get timed up. I mean, I know that the, you know, the OTAs is for that, you know, the training campus for that, preseason is for that. But sometimes it just takes longer than that. And, um, you know, the one thing I hated, the, 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 the worst thing about what happened this year with Teddy, for me, and then you, know, you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I, I was I was really rooting for Teddy. Um, I'm, I'm cool with moving on from him, um, 100%. I just believe if he was any other quarterback, I think it would have been good to see him get a second year in the offense, you know, a full offseason. Like, they didn't have any of that last year. You know, but we expected a better performer um, than what we received. Um, Sam gets that this year, so we should expect a little more. You know, but not much more. You know, and and if he doesn't have a great 2021, then I still think they should bring him back in 2022 and see if he can improve on it. Because now you've invested in, like, don't give us another starting quarterback in 2022. I don't want to see that. You know, and so um, so that's why I'm rooting for Sam, man. I, I don't, that that change of the stuff, it starts making your team, your organization look like a joke after a while. And that's why, you know, the Cleveland Browns had the bad rep that they had for so long. Because, you know, what was the big running joke for them? 
it was the the the, the jersey with all the different names mm-hmm. on it, right? If Carolina isn't careful, we end up being a little joke franchise just mm-hmm. like that too. And I don't want that. Like even Jacksonville Jaguars, when Blake Bortles was bad, you know, they probably stuck with him too long, you know, but still, you know, like he had more than one year to, to see if he could do yeah. it, you know. So give our guys more than a year. You know, Cam was here for nine years, yeah. you know, and yeah, Teddy came in for a year. I think he should have had at least two, but he didn't. Now you brought in Sam to replace Teddy. Give Sam more mm-hmm. than one year. It's tough, though, when you got an owner like uh, David Tepper. He ain't going to see – I mean, what? He's had a losing season since he's been here. That's that's tough to tough David to Tepper is, out of him. Tepper, Tepper is really good at making money, and I respect that man for making all the money that he's made in his in his life. But we don't know that he's a really good NFL owner yet. And, um, and so hopefully Dave Tepper isn't so egotistical to where he can kind of see the air in his ways, too. You know, uh, you know, like this year, I, I, I truly believe this is just, just, you know, just me speculating. I think they knew that they want to move in a different direction from Teddy as far back as, you know, the, the Minnesota game last year. I can't confirm that. Obviously, I don't know. You know, but when Tepper came out right after the season, he basically said, you got to get a, a quarterback who can take you there. Not too long after that, we saw rumors that we were trying to get Matt Stafford really had a, a deal done um, before Stafford denied it. Um, and so then we had to go to the other plan, which was Deshaun Watson. And you know, we all know we know the mess that that's become. Um, and so I think from the point that they tried to get Stafford, they knew that Teddy wouldn't be their quarterback. Um, so it was like, okay, we couldn't get Stafford. We 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 probably shouldn't pursue Deshaun Watson right now, but we know that we can't bring Teddy back. So we got to get somebody. And I think Sam, in that burgeoning situation that was developing in, in New York, you know, led to them calling New York to see if they can go get him. And then they found out they were in somewhat of a bidding war because San Francisco was trying to make a play for him too. And so I think they had to get aggressive um, to make sure that they didn't get beat out by somebody else. You know, in this case, San Francisco, and they got him. And I don't think, no, obviously he wasn't their number one choice because if he was, they would have called New York first. Um, but he is a guy who has some traits. He's only 23. And, um, but now you, I won't say that they're not selling us as hard as they did Teddy last year, but you still, you brought him in. You passed over Justin Fields. Don't pass over Justin Fields just to pick a quarterback next year. You know, and so that's what I'm saying. You know, like, uh, you know, don't give me, uh, I mean, Sam Howell is dope. I don't think you're going to get a chance at him next year. You know, so, but don't give me, you know, Rattler, Spencer Rattler, when you could have had Justin yep. Fields. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's what I, I'm I, uh, I know some of the buzz that's been going on um, on Twitter with OTAs being are going on right now is that a lot of the, the people are saying that they haven't seen balls being thrown with that much, uh, that much um, velocity on it since Cam Newton. So uh, I, I think the, the buzz is building. I, not to be cliche with the Hornets, but the buzz is building around <laughs> Sam Darnold um, in Carolina. And, and he's shown in practice so far, at least I think that he's definitely got some traits um, that are getting people excited. A lot of the reporters are uh, tweeting that, I mean, he, he's throwing some dimes and I, I know it's an OTAs against probably 
players that might even get cut. But I don't want to hear it. I want to see it regular season. I want to see it in game. Well, Teddy you, Bridgewater. Teddy you Bridgewater get, was throwing Curtis. deep balls too. You get Teddy what you Bridgewater get. was throwing fifty yard bombs in practice. You didn't see it once in a game. I don't want to hear that shit. I mean, well, you know what? You know, like you know, we have to put it in the context, right? You know, so remember twenty nineteen, um, like off season. What was the thing they were doing? You know, from the social, uh, from the Panthers social team. You know, they were, hey, we're gonna put Cam Newton's new um, new throwing motion, you know, on display. Everybody can come out and watch Cam Newton throw the football. He spits his throwing motion because of his shoulder, right? Because there were question marks about whether or not Cam could still throw a football in 2019. That's why they went and drafted Will Griff because they didn't know, right? So then you go out and replace Cam Newton you know, in 2020 with a guy who doesn't have shoulder issues, but he hasn't played a full season since he had basically devastated his knee in 2016. So you don't know if this guy can hold up either. But, you know, one thing Teddy was never noted for was being a, a big arm guy. You know, even though he did throw 50-yard balls and stuff like that, you know, the, the the really critical guys of Teddy would say he didn't have a lot of velocity behind his throws. His short and, you know, intermediate throws. You know, he just, he don't have a lot of zip. He's not like he had a cannon. And so Sam Donald is this guy that, even though I haven't seen him make a lot of these plays yet either, um, besides the one that everybody sees over and over again, you know, with the, against San Francisco where he was rolling left and threw back across his body. And that was the Zach you know, Wilson throw now. <laughs> yeah, the, the Zach Wilson throw. Um, but, you know, but Sam, one thing that Sam has that has nothing to do with his physical attributes um, that a lot of guys don't ever get in the NFL is that he has the big NFL machine behind him. I don't know if you all pay attention, but these NFL media pundits, you know, that's on, you know, Good Morning Football and NFL Today, all these shows that we watch, um, even Colin Coward today. They all seem seemingly unanimous, unanimously believe that he was in a bad situation in, in New York. And a lot of these guys like being right. You know, people don't, people don't say that enough, but a lot of these guys like being right about guys that they expected to be good. So for them, Sam not being good yet, you know, kind of invalidates, you know, even a, a, a projection that they have from 2018. They want to see Sam succeed. And the other thing is, they really like Matt Rule too. Like it's all been positive. Like even when it probably shouldn't have been, it's been positive about Matt Rule. It's been positive about Dave Tepper, this Maverick owner who go gets what he wants. He went and got Matt Rule. You know, they got the hottest offensive name from college football last year in Joe Brady. You know, the NFL loved that. Sam Donald is the story, you know, that's uh, like a reclamation project at quarterback, and, and honestly, I, have, I haven't seen any quarterback in recent memory get as many excuses as Sam has gotten for a bad start. And so it tells me that they want Sam to succeed. That's why I say, you know, he's in a really, really, really good situation because any improvement that Sam makes this year is going to be magnified by like, by 10, because they're going to say, see, we told you. It was the Jets. It was Adam Gase. It was the bad organization. It was bad coaching. It was a bad setup. He was always this guy, and all he needed was a good infrastructure. And, um, and so 
<laughs> for for you know for that alone, I think if he comes out, man, and and you know, actually, yeah. you know, completes you know sixty five you know plus percent of his passes, the offense is really set up for him to do that. If he comes out and wins, you know, a few games out the gate, you know, Christian's looking good and sexy, you know, like everybody's going to be happy about what's going on in Carolina. And, you know, honestly, I'm looking forward to that. Like, think about how much nonsense we had to hear about in Carolina for the last few years. And it's unrightfully so, Mm -hmm. you know, know, focused on the wrong things with Cam, how Cam dressed and, you know, what he said, this and that. I hated all of that for Cam. Um, But, you know, it's, it's just they just focused on football, mm-hmm. and right now, it's going to be a feel good story. And people don't realize how much narrative, you know, is, you know, the NFL is built on. Like they built on stories. Sam is a good story waiting to happen, and so uh, it's on him though. You know, it's on him to deliver. But it's it's set up. Oh for yeah, him, the bro. the ball's it's in his court. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's end on this. I got one more one more ranking and and then we'll end this thing is we, you, you brought up Pete, you brought up pro football focus before in their rankings. So we got to bring up the DJ more is that that's had a lot of fans fired up on Twitter. He, they came yeah. out the wide receiver rankings, best 32 in the league. DJ Moore wasn't on there. Robbie Anderson wasn't on there. I just want to get your take on it. I mean, I was out on Twitter. I think it's bullshit, but I just want to see what you thought. And I do like PFFs. I like their stats. I'm not, I'm not so keen on you know individual ESPN power rankings and Mel Kuyper's draft grades and whatever, all that other garbage. But I'm just curious what you thought of that. Well, I mean, I think it was wrong for him not to be in the top 32. Clearly. Um, but I try to keep it real. You know, if I ain't keeping it real, then I shouldn't even be Panthers coach or whatever I claim to be. I'm like Matt Rule was last year. I think for DJ Moore to get that, that elite number one receiver respect, I, I still think he has to do more. Um, he doesn't have to do any more to be in the top 20. You know, he's already that at the very least, you know, maybe even top 15, uh, considering the numbers he puts up, you know, but, you know, there's, there's still some plays, you know, where I think even DJ would tell you that he wish he could have back, you know, there were some, some throws that were made his way. And we always talk about the great contested throw, you know, catches he makes, you know, he dropped some gimmies um, in crucial moments last year too. And we don't talk about them as fans, you know, because he's our guy. You know, but, you know, if we've been objective, you know, we need to to be able to see the, the opportunities that, you know, that he has that he doesn't capitalize on. There were some throws last year to where I say, you know, you know, the throw and catch might have been difficult. But I have to, you know, ask myself, would, would Michael Thomas bring that in? You know, would Devontae Adams bring it in? You know, if 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 I think that the answer is yes to any one of those guys I'm comparing them to, um, but he didn't do it. Then I'm like, okay, he still got some room to improve. And so, um, so yeah, not being in the top 32, total BS. Um, I think DJ is easily in the top, you know, top 15 wide receivers in the league, um, just based on consistency. I think one thing DJ would do um, that will help him be respected as such is he's got to get into the end zone more, you know, 
you know, chicks dig the touchdown, bro. And so, you know, it's one thing to catch a ball. There's one thing to get run after the catch, you know, things that he does really, really well. And he makes big plays, but he, he has to be in the end zone more. And um, unfortunately, much of his career, he's played with a, a gimpy Cam Newton, Kyle Allen, Will Greer, Teddy Bridgewater, and, um, and P.J. Walker. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, if you remove – if you remove Cam Newton, then, you know, it's kind of like how DeAndre Hopkins was in test, for the Texans for the first few years of his career. You know, he has this hodgepodge of arm talent throwing him the football, but he's expected to produce at a high level with that. You know, so I think for DJ, you know, right now it's Sam Donald. You know, and we haven't seen Sam produce any, you know, thousand-yard receivers either, you know, single-handedly. And so uh, so we, we, we really got to hope that Sam – you know, is the quarterback, you know, that that DJ needs to help him legitimize himself as the number one wide receiver. And not just for PFF and, you know, the people who talk football. DJ is due a contract, man. And so, you know, they're not going to pay him number one receiver money if he can't make the top 32 list for PFF. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> that's his business. You know what I mean? So it's going to behoove him to really come out there and, and, and show out. He has to hope that that Sam Donald and, um, you know, and, and he have a, uh, a great rapport, you know, great chemistry, because all that stuff matters in football. And so I'm hoping for DJ that, that Sam is, is locked in, that he's locked in, that he's ready to to make those catches that I know he can make, um, you know, when the opportunities are there. You know, he, he has to drop a few less. You know, he has to make a few more plays. And, you know, as great as he is, you know, with the ball in his hands, he's going to have to do something a little bit more dynamic more often. And um, I think when he does that, then, you know, you'll see him get the respect he deserves. Yeah, and that's one thing I was going to say you kind of mentioned. Uh, DJ Moore really hasn't had a whole lot of help his throughout his career, and he still puts up, I mean, 1,000-yard yeah. season after 1,000-yard season. So and it, there were a lot of throws last year, too, that uh, Teddy Bridgewater – um, you would see DJ Moore streaking wide open. I mean, for a possible touchdown. Wouldn't even and, look at him. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't yeah. even look at him. So there, there, there were those last year. I mean, there he did have some drops too, but yeah. there were also to to counterpoint. There were also the ones where he was wide open and we didn't get the ball thrown to him. So yeah, and that one, um, that was, and that was, you know, like that was the thing I didn't like about Teddy's game. Um, Teddy's conservative to a fault. Um, you know, if, if the play is designed, you know, to, you know, they gave, to me, I hate saying they gave him too much responsibility at a lot of scrimmage, but I mean, I, I think they kind of did. Because, you know, Teddy's job, you know, I don't know if you all remember this, but Matt Rule said they would give Teddy, uh, Matt Rule or Joe Brady said they'd give Teddy like five different plays to go to the line of scrimmage with. And based on what he saw in the defense, you know, he would make the, the, the call to the play that they wanted to run. He would do all that a lot of scrimmage. And a lot of people complained that we weren't stopping the ball until like, you know, like a half a second left on the play clock because he was making so many adjustments and line shifts and you know, all the things he needed to do at the line of scrimmage. And I think Teddy kind of plays football like, like we play Madden. You know, if you show me this look on defense, I got an audible that I'm going to call and I know who I'm going to go to. And I'm going to go to him regardless. I'm hitting S regardless. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? We and hit so, that tight end across the I mean, middle. I don't care what you're running. <laughs> yeah. I don't care what you, I see what you're in. 
I ran motion. Your guy didn't follow me. You're in the zone. I know where it's going to be open at. I'm going there. <laughs> and I think Teddy plays the quarterback position just like that. And I think we saw those plays, you know, because everybody was so quick to, to go to the cutup right after the play was missed. It was like, man, he's seen this guy. Like, DJ was wide open here. Like, for Teddy, we saw it because we have the, you know, the the advent of, you know, of replay and, you know, film and everything else. I think for Teddy, it was like, okay, they're in this, they're in this defensive alignment. They're man. I know if I call this play, this guy's going to be open. That's That's my guy. And so what we saw is they call height. Teddy finds this guy. He hits it for a seven-yard completion or a pass breakup. And then on the other side of the field is DJ Moore running sky free because he didn't anticipate that. You know, he had in his mind, I got to go here. I, I'm not going to scan the field, you know, to see who's going to break open on the other side if I wait another half a second. I'm going to where I know my read is. And um, and I think he missed a few opportunities like that. And um, and I think Sam is kind of you know a little bit a little bit wild and crazier, man. And I think Sam is going to hang in there a little bit longer and and let that thing go. You know when you know when DJ is running down the field scot free and and um, and I think that might be the difference. You know, is that the one thing that made Teddy trustable is that he would make the right play all the time, right? You know, at least that's what you thought you were getting, even if it didn't turn out well, even if it ended up being a tip interception or just an interception, he was doing what he thought he was supposed to do. But sometimes the play is the, is the play that if you wait for the, if you wait just a little bit longer, it's going to open up. And I think Sam, although he hasn't shown that he definitely has that thing in him, I think he has like, you know, more pocket. Um, I won't say pocket awareness because I mean that. I think Teddy does have that. I think he has more pocket mobility, and that may buy him that extra half a second he needs to be able to to hit DJ, you know, 40, 50 yards down the field. And um, and so to me, at twenty three years old, you know, those are the the things I look at and say, okay, I hope you know, that he, he brings that to the table and, you know, at 23, you know, be 24, you know, whenever, I think we have time to see him develop into that. So, yeah, that's, I mean, to me, that's the difference in the guys. I don't think they're all that different talent-wise. I would give the edge, like, honestly, if, 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 if we had everything the same um, talent-wise on the roster and, you know, you had, you had to draft Teddy Bridgewater or Sam Donald, to lead the team. I think how we built today versus last year, I would go with Teddy, you know, because I think, you know, it's kind of like, it's more of a guaranteed thing, at least on paper. Um, but if I'm looking at how this team grows together in the future, Sam probably is the guy. And, um, and I think that's how they're thinking too, is we can grow together with Sam. And, you know, he's not that much of a, of a of a drop off, you know, from what Teddy could give us this year, but he get he has the potential to give us, you know, twenty five percent more than we could ever imagine with. And him. he's younger. And he's younger, you know. So not only can we get and he's healthier. More, yeah, it's all of those <laughs> things, you know. So that's why I get it. Um, I didn't like it, but I get it. And uh, so hopefully, hopefully it pans out for us all, man. I want to I want to be celebrating with 
Panthers Twitter all year long. I don't want to be fighting with them about a quarterback. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hear you, man. I think that's a good spot to end it. Yeah. And I want to just thank you. All of your stories, insight. It's it was a joy listening to you. I really do appreciate it. I know, you know, sometimes we all can get long winded, but you got some good stuff in there, man. I'm excited to listen to it back. I think this is going to be a good one. We do appreciate it. Give JJ a follow on Twitter at Panthers Culture. Again, just pleasure to have you on, and we'll definitely try to get you back if you want to return. Yeah, thank you, oh, JJ. Man. Oh yeah, yeah. No, thank you for having me on. You know, people don't get this, and I know it, it probably is going to sound like a straight lie after hearing me for the last hour and a half, you know, but um, I don't like talking a lot. I, I like tweeting more than talking. Uh, I'm not a natural speaker, but uh, but it was it was cool. Thank you for having me on, uh, for sure. You know, I'd be willing to, to come back on. You know, I like I like chopping up about football. It's one thing I do like talking about. And so, um, you know, just, you know, thank you guys for thinking enough of me to, to have me join your show. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Thank you again, man. You'll be returning. Don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Thanks for listening to Panthers on Tap podcast. You can catch all our episodes every Thursday on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And of course, our giveaways that we will be doing throughout the offseason and season. And as always, 